I don't know what it is about November, but it's often when I need to check on my emotions. I can be a little bit on edge. Um, I can respond out of character at times. It's quite, um, it's quite weird. Because I think it's because it's not quite Christmas, and so there's all this anxious tension um, around. And September and October were quite full on in terms of my workload. And so if I'm not careful, I can stumble into November and December. Um, not quite myself. And of course, Brexit hasn't happened yet, and we've got a general election. So emotions are already high on social media and in my car uh, with my wife. Um, <laughs> In recent weeks, I've noticed something about my driving, in fact, actually. Um, I've been driving and listening to some worship music, some of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday. And I'm singing along, it's all very nice, but I notice that I start to interrupt my singing to um, hurl abuse at drivers who I think are being stupid. So there I am, I'm just, you know, I'm going to see a victory. What are you doing? Why are you slowing down? What? And it, it's, um, and then once Fiona was in the car with me, and she just, Fiona's my wife, um, she, uh, she looked at me and she went, are you okay? <laughs> um, I don't know if you recognize the same sort of um, behavior yourself, moments of madness, emotions flying around, some of your friends asking you that question, are you okay, hun? Um, and the point of this series is to recognize that we are all emotional people. Even if you think you're not an emotional person, we all have these base level emotions that often shape the way that we live our lives, often shape the way that we view the world and view others um, around us. A couple years back, a film came out called Inside Out. Who's seen Inside Out? Um, incredible film exploring emotions with this um, uh, character called Riley and all the emotions inside her head. I think there's a picture coming up. And you had these characters here. You had um, disgust, fear, joy, sadness, and, and anger. Um, and so, yes, we have based this entire series on that film. <laughs> And so we're going to be looking through all these um, emotions over the next coming week. And perhaps you're like me and you think, that's a great list of emotions, but let's get rid of four of them and just keep happiness, because that's what we all want after all. And well, I've been listening to this um, podcast, which I found really helpful in preparing for this um, series. It's called The Happiness Lab. It's by a professor from Yale University. It's become really um, popular. And she had a guest on um, the other day who was saying, well, just that, really, that we all want happiness. It's everyone's goal to be happy. No one goes out in life hoping that they're going to be miserable, of course. But he said this. He said, we have an unrealistic view of happiness. No one is happy all the time. Happiness is perhaps the mountaintop experience, but however much we try, we can't stay up there for long. Even if we find something that makes us really, really happy, um, we can't quite stay there. There's the mountain for you, for reference, if you don't know what a mountain looks like. Um, it's a triangle. Um, but he said this, we have an unrealistic view of happiness, and because of that, we have an unfair view of all other emotions. So when we eventually come down the mountain of happiness and experience something else like fear or sadness, he says we villainize all those other emotions because they're stopping us from this ultimate goal of happiness, of being happy. So anything that prevents us from being happy, we see as bad, we see as negative. And he said this isn't a fair way to treat those other emotions. And because of our unfair view of emotions... Um, of those emotions and our unrealistic view of happiness, he says we create an unbalanced response to it. So something makes us feel sad 
and then we get sad about feeling sad. I don't know if that's your experience. Because we're feeling something, that's not the goal. It's not the dream feeling. It's not the emotion that we hope to always feel. So not only are we feeling sad at the thing that made us sad, we're now sad or angry that we're sad or angry. Does that make sense? We kind of double it up. It's unbalanced. And I think we need a healthier relationship with our emotions. We can go one of two ways. We can embrace our emotions fully and let every decision we make be based on our feelings and our emotions. Sounds good. But, and this is particularly what we see in culture um, today, this idea of just do whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good. You do you, boo. The issue with that is that our emotions are so unstable. They're so unpredictable. I, I don't know about you, I can't trust my emotions. They're all over the place. One minute singing a song about happiness, the next gritting my teeth, shouting at someone who's cut me up in traffic. Our emotions will cloud our judgment if they're the only thing that we count on. You know, when I'm sad, I tend to eat. When, when I'm anxious about something, I tend to eat. When I'm angry, I go for a walk to the shops to buy something to eat. And if I'm happy, it's probably because I'm eating. I know it's beginning to sound like I've got more an issue with food than, than emotions, but I can't trust my feelings, my emotions. That's one way. The other way is to completely ignore your emotions altogether. Be practical and be factual. And the issue with that, I think, is that we become totally inflexible. Things are either black or white. There's no wiggle room for decisions, and there's absolutely no time for feelings at all. And I'm just not sure that's how we were created. Actually, I know we're not created that way. The author, Dan Allender, said, Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality, but listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And then there's a guy called Peter Scazzaro who wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, particularly if you're thinking about um, growing in your faith, growing in things of, um, that are spiritually um, life-giving to you. He says we, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. If we want to live healthy emotional lives, we need something in between, something that's not totally dictated by emotions but allows truth to speak into our life but also something that doesn't just ignore our emotions altogether. God created us as emotional creatures, I believe that, and so there must be a good and a healthy way to, um, to live with our emotions, to relate to them. Instead of trying to constantly fix or eliminate all the difficult and the negative emotions, what if we learned to work with them? What if we learned um, how to stop fighting our emotions and live alongside them? In short, how do we build healthier relationship with our emotions. We're going to be looking at the Psalms to do this. The Psalms are a collection of songs and poems and, and writings and musings, um, mainly by a guy called David and another psalmist, and it's found right in the middle of the Bible. The psalmist goes from incredible ups and downs. It's the roller coaster book of emotions. Um, he goes from feelings of anger and disgust and annoyance and sadness to then pure joy and delight, often even in the same psalm itself. And through the Psalms, we're going to learn how we can have a healthier relationship with our emotions. I used to, I know you, you look at me and you think, this can't be true. I used to be a really, really angry person, um, an incredibly fearful and very insecure um, about myself and what other people thought about me. 
And I'm by no means perfect now, but I'm so much better than I was because of some of the things that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks. I don't want to let anger or fear stop me from missing the beauty of life or keep me from this amazing life God has planned for me. It's so easy, I find, to be cynical, to be fearful, to be angry and to be put off by all the things that are around us. But somehow, in and amongst it all, God is speaking to us and often through our emotions. And I want to hear what God is saying in my life. I don't know about you here this morning. Today, we're going to be looking at sadness. Yes. How to have a healthier relationship with sadness. Um, when Inside Out came out, um, Fiona and I, two grown adults, 26-year-olds, um, we went on a date night to the cinema to watch it. And um, it had been, been out a couple of weeks already, and so there weren't many people in the cinema. The only people there were Fiona, me, this little boy and his gran, and that was it. And it was very, very sweet. Um, there's a particularly sad moment in the film, and I'm, uh, spoiler alert, it's, like, there's a spoiler coming up. Um, and in the film involving the character Joy and the imaginary friend um, Bing Bong trying to escape this pit, that if you stay in the pit, you kind of disappear. We don't need to go into it, but let's watch this very sad moment unfold now. Take her to the moon for me, okay? I'm sorry to make you relive that moment. Take her to the moon for me. And um, in that moment, that little boy who was with his grand, just because there's only four of us in the cinema, he's like, Bing Bong? And then spent the rest of the film asking where Bing Bong had gone. It was really, really irritating. <laughs> but some things are really sad. Sadness is a normal um, human emotion that every one of us is, is going to feel. Um, often, I mean, surprise, surprise, a lot of my sadness growing up was due to messy breakups with girlfriends and, and the like, but um, thank you. Oh. Um, but for, for a lot of us, it, it's so many things, the loss of a job, the um, not getting a job, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, financial difficulty, um, failing an exam, like experiencing disappointing events all trigger sadness. The psalm we're going to look at this morning is Psalm 22. Um, it's not going to be up on screen because it's a very long psalm, so I'm just going to pick out um, some of those bits, but you can if you want to, if you've got a Bible, if you've got an app that you use um, to read the Bible, you can check out Psalm 22, and I'm going to be picking out verses as we go along. But Psalm 22 is a great example of how we can respond to sadness. Verses one through to 18 is literally the psalmist David wallowing in his sadness, just going all out, I'm sad. He's like, I am a worm. Dogs surround me, bulls surround me, people are insulting me, roaring lions prey around me. My heart is like wax and it's melted within me. Oh, David, are you okay, hun? <laughs> this is A-grade sadness here. I think... It, Initially, and this is um, going to be a theme for all these talks, but the first, it embraces us to embrace, uh, teaches us to embrace our emotions, what we're feeling, to not try and deny what's going on. It may be worse if you just bury the emotion. That's not what we're teaching here. Um, Peter Scazzaro again says, allow yourself to experience the full weight of your feelings. Allow them without censoring them. Then you can reflect and thoughtfully decide what to do with them and trust God 
to come to you through them. So embrace the emotion first. Embrace it, let it, let it be what it is, and then engage with it. What's the way forward? How can we move on with this emotion? And let's look at how we can engage with sadness. Lots of um, popular psychology, pop psychology, will tell you that when you're sad, you need to make sure that you've got a good group of friends around you. Who's got a good group of friends? Oh, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We've got a sad church. Um, and that's good advice, but even better than a good bunch of friends is the fact that we have God in every moment of our lives. And the first step of engaging with sadness is to draw close in prayer. The psalmist recognizes his need to be close to God. Verse 19, he says, Lord, do not be far from me. Sadness can be such an isolating feeling. And so the best response to sadness making us feel isolated is to then not isolate ourselves, but to surround ourselves, to not withdraw, but to draw ourselves in. Because things are sadder when you're on your own. Uh, over 10 years ago, I was, do- I was dealing not very well with another breakup, and it was, um, it was messy, and I was an emotional um, mess. And, but I had a really good friend who lived around the corner from me, so I would just spend all my time um, with him and him helping me to get over the breakup. We would just hang out, um, play Xbox, and listen to really sad emotional music, which wasn't helping. Um, but because I was craving friendship so much and I didn't want to be alone, it got really silly that even when my mate would like leave the room to get something, he would come back into the room, just see me sobbing by myself. <laughs> and at one time he went, he went out to get ice cream for us. Everyone loves ice cream. Um, came in with the ice cream and there I am just she's gone like and then um, he consoled me like a good mate that he was um then he realized he forgot spoons and so he went out to the other room got the spoons back I was like we used to eat ice cream together it's like I was stupid stuff I was an absolute mess sadness can make us feel um alone but we're not alone um, Nikki Gumbel, who's the vicar of HTB in London, um, uh, part of the same network of churches that we are a part of, he posted this the other day on Instagram. He said, if we know God personally, then we are never alone. Because God is always available to us. And the way to experience the closeness of God is through prayer. We draw close to God in prayer. It's in prayer that we can let it all out, get everything off our chest, all our hurt, all the emotions out, talking to God. Nothing is too big for God. And actually, nothing's too small or insignificant for God either. If it matters to us, then it matters to God. Prayer is where we both speak and listen to God. It's the amazing gift that God has given us, a way to communicate with him, a way of approaching this creator of the universe. Prayer is God's way of saying, I'm here, I'm close, and I'm listening. Are you okay, hun? I found that prayer centers me. It grounds me in hope. I feel more secure when I'm praying, when I pray often. And when I look back at some of the more um, sketchy and anxious times, I recognize, oh, that's when I wasn't really speaking to God that much. And that's all it is, speaking to someone who knows you more than anyone else in this world and loves you even more. That's the first step to healthily engaging with sadness is to draw close in prayer. Then the second is to step out in worship. 
If prayer and spending time with God centers you, then worship refocuses you and gives us a greater perspective. Verse 22, the psalmist David says, I will declare your name to my people and in the assembly I will praise you. And this is written moments after he's gone on about all the bad things that are happening to him and why he should be sad. His situation hasn't changed in those moments. His heart, I'm sure, has still melted within him. And yet he makes a choice to worship, to worship despite the overwhelming feeling that he has, that despite all his sadness, despite all that's happening around him, he chooses to step out in worship. Why? Well, firstly, he worships because he knows that God's going to be there when he does. My favorite verse, if you're allowed a favorite verse in the Bible, is verse 3 of Psalm 22, where it says, you are the Holy One enthroned upon the praises of your people. David knows that when he praises, God is going to be there. God is present. That's why, that's why he steps out in worship. Secondly, he's grateful for everything that God has done in his life. Again, pop psychology um, will give you the advice that if you want to get better at dealing with sadness, you maybe should start a gratitude journal. Write all the things that make you happy. Well, Even better, why don't we turn to worship and directly thank God who gave us everything in the first place? Step out in worship. And thirdly, he worships to encourage others. He says in verse 23, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. He encourages others with his worship, despite his own situation. When I was um, training to be a vicar in London, um, the college I was at, and um, studying at shared this really, really um, tragic and sad news about one of, um, one of the students, uh, a guy in his third year um, whose two-year-old son tragically died the same night that his wife gave birth to their new child. And just this horrific moment, and it really shook the college, particularly those who were, who were in his year. Um, I just can't imagine the pain. But um, um, a month or so when he returned to college, that first Monday back, He was in the front row, and he had his arms raised in worship, just worshipping God with all his heart. It changed the atmosphere of the room. And there I was standing at the back thinking, Flip, I I can't even imagine, and I'm not really giving myself in worship. It changed the atmosphere that someone who is going through all that sadness, all that pain, would still choose to say, God, you are so good to encourage um, others. As well as sadness making us feel isolated, sadness can make us feel inadequate and helpless and limited. I don't know if you've ever felt your limits and know it comes face to face with your own limits. So I love what the theologian Tozer says when he says, how completely satisfying to turn from our limitations to a God who has none. Because worship refocuses us. It takes back our attention from everything that's going on around us. And just like Kanye West, it reminds us who is king. And it reminds us who's in control. And so we draw close in prayer. We step out in worship. And lastly, we look forward in faith. 
When sadness isolates us, prayer draws us close to the heart of God. When sadness makes us feel helpless, worship reminds us who's in control. And then I love how David, David finishes the psalm here. He's been wallowing in his sadness, but then he begins to pray and to worship. And then he raises his faith, believing that breakthrough will come. He begins to just declare some truths about what God is going to do, believing in faith that it's going to happen. Verse 26, he says, The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He declares and looks forward in faith at what God is going to do. When sadness looms, Pray, worship, and then raise your faith, believing that God can do the miraculous in your life. I remember um, feeling really sad when Fiona and I were going to leave Brighton, um, the place that I had grown up in and called home for so many years. Um, it was the, the place that Fiona and I met, and we met at St. Peter's Church in Brighton. We got married at that church. Um, and we made so many friends there, and particularly for me as well, a particular sadness was that all the musical and creative um, creative things were about to begin and bubble up, and I felt like I was leaving at the wrong time, because I felt I'm going to miss out on all the fun that that these guys, all my friends, are going to have. There was a real sad sadness to it. And I remember we, we moved to Hastings to plant a church, which was really exciting in and of itself. And I remember just having to be really intentional with my language and my thoughts. And I had to begin to believe that despite all that we were leaving behind, what God was calling us into was going to be far greater and far more exciting for us than we could even imagine. And we were going to be better off going where God was leading than we were if we stayed And I just began to just speak that over my life. And hey, now we're living in Portsmouth, the greatest city on earth. Come on. We're part of an incredible church that's seeing lives transformed across this city. A church that's bringing hope and dignity to those who feel unloved and abandoned. We're seeing God do the miraculous and seeing Portsmouth come alive. And churches grow and grow, particularly with young people who are apparently missing from that demographic of church life nationwide. Raise your faith. Look forward in faith. Whatever makes you sad, raise your faith and believe that even in the middle of it, God is working it all out for good. He's making the most out of even the worst situations and he will come through for you too. Sadness can leave us feeling so many things and so if it's a time for you at the moment of uncertainty believe that God is going to bring clarity if it's a time of waiting believe that God will come through if it's a time of frustration and pain believe that God will bring breakthrough if it's a time of hurt believe and start declaring that God will bring healing look forward in faith speak out what you want to see in your life just like David Calling out the difference that God will bring into your life and into your situation. Don't ignore your pain, but let God speak through it and declare the difference he's going to make in your life. Draw close in prayer. Step out in worship and look forward in faith. And this isn't just how we respond to sadness. I believe this is how we can also prepare ourselves for sadness and any other emotion that comes our way. I've spoken a few times 
already about my skincare routine. Um, I needed a skincare routine because when it gets cold and it's windy, um, it hits my face and my face begins to look bad. That's why I needed a skincare routine. And um, last winter, I thought enough was enough. It's time to invest in some um, amazing products um, from Kiehl's. Other products are available, but Kiehl's is the best. Um, and and um, I, so I started this skincare routine in January, and it's worked wonders. Thank you for noticing. Um, and now it's November. It's getting really, really cold again. And it's going to get even colder in December and in January. It's going to get really, really cold. But unlike last year, when the cold weather would hit my unhealthy face and would make it crack and flake and other disgusting things, this time the weather has no chance against my healthy skin. Why? Because I have a daily routine for my face. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I wish I had the same level of enthusiasm for my spiritual journey and faith and life than I, as I do for my face. Because if I'm rooted in prayer, if I'm grounded in prayer, if daily I'm choosing to worship whatever my situation, if I'm always looking positively forward, believing that God is going to do amazing things for me and believing that he is always with me, then whatever emotion I'm feeling, particularly if it's sadness, I can respond with faith because I'm rooted in something that's far deeper and far greater than my own life, something that even my emotions can't sway. I'm trying to build in that daily routine of drawing close in prayer, stepping out in worship, whatever the situation, and beginning to think more positively when I look forward in faith and when I look forward at who I'm becoming and who God is calling me to be and all that God is going to do in my life. Feeling sad? Draw close in prayer. Step out in worship and look forward in faith. Amen.